each choice we make moves us toward fear or love. On my Life and Laughter podcast, we'll talk about those choices and learn how to attract more love and connection and laughter. This is Perry Kinder. Let's get started. Life and Laughter listeners, this is Perry Kinder, your Life and Laughter podcast host, and we are at episode number 50, 50. Cheers, hallelujah, champagne, all the fun stuff. Good stuff. High five to myself and to Roger. Thank you, Roger, for sticking it out for 50 episodes. And I brought back my favorite guest. Yes, I do have I do have preferences and biases for my guests. I've had him on a couple of times. I don't think I've ever introduced this guest before of who he actually is. So Tom Haraldson is not just my husband. What? <laughs> I know. It's a surprise. He is a newspaper editor. He's been a reporter for, I don't know, generations. You covered like World War One and Lincoln assassination. Lincoln assassination. He's been around forever. He's an author. He's written a book, a beautiful book. And he's also my sweet husband. And he's back for my episode number 50. You were there for the first one. And you're back for this one. Welcome back. Thank you. Congratulations, by the way. 50 is an achievement. You should be proud of that. I am very proud of it. And I keep, I'm so grateful that people keep coming back and listening to it. That's even better. I'm glad I'm not talking to a complete void. Maybe. Leave me out of it. What about (laughs) the audience? So. Well, I brought you on specifically because I want this episode to be about spouses. Okay. And since you're the only one I have, I thought you'd be the best one to bring on. And I'm hoping we have Roger here to mediate if we need someone to jump in and break us apart. That explains the boxing gloves. Yes. Okay, I get it. So the topic today is the top five things people want from their partners. So I'm going to do the top five things women want from their partners, and you're going to do the top five things that men want from their partners. And this is not what you're looking for in a spouse. If you're on the prowl looking for someone to connect to, this isn't what you're looking for with that. This is for people who have been married or together for a year or a decade or what feels like a freaking lifetime, because you can always improve communication. You can always improve your relationship to each other, especially when it gets stale. When you've been together for a long time, you get in that groove of doing the same things over and over. You take each other for granted. So this is to kind of let people know what is expected of you. <laughs> Great. Great. And it's funny because marriage is usually an alternation between wanting to sit on a sunset beach and wanting to bury your body. Under the sunset beach. Under the sunset yes, beach. So possible. So I put this question out on my social media platforms to my female friends and got a lot of comments, a lot of DMs about what they wanted to see from their 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 partner. And I thought about it, I put them all together to create a list of the top five. And it's funny, I found a couple of cartoons as I was going through this. The first one, it's a woman sitting at the table and her husband's standing next to her and she says, you keep giving me advice when all I want is herbal tea and lemon bars. Perfect example of what women are thinking. And the second one is they're sitting on the couch and the husband says, you know, my wife has been leaving jewelry catalogs all over the house. So I've taken the hint. I got her a magazine rack. <laughs> so that's how we stop communicating effectively. That's so um, some of the things I got from the women were they want a best friend. They want loyalty. They want emotional support. They want grace from their husbands as we change over time, as, we, as our bodies age, as our minds age. They want domestic equity. I'm assuming that means you do the laundry and unload the dishwasher sometimes. Hey, I bought you a magazine rack. <laughs> Help clean up the house. So. <laughs> They want their husbands to anticipate needs without having to be told, like, 
please scrape your plate off before you put it in the dishwasher. So you want us to read your mind? Yes. Okay. Um, they want their husbands to be confident and they want their husbands to have integrity. So those are the, some of the things that I didn't add to my list. So it's like, that's that's, way more than like five. bonuses, okay. like bonus things for you guys to work on. Um, and one thing too, that we'll get into, and we'll get into that later. So what I've gathered here, the top five things that women want, the first one, do you have an idea what it might be? It's the first one on your list. That's all I know. So we haven't told each other what these five no, these are. these are all secrets. These are all going to be surprises. Yeah. That's why I, I said, Roger's here to mediate. The first one is women want to feel respected, appreciated, and valued by their spouse. Um, and that might mean you do things with us that you might not want to do. Like, for instance, you've taken my yoga class for... 15 years. 15 years. That's true. <laughs> do you like yoga? At times. <laughs> <laughs> but you show up, you show up and you're there for me. And when I do workshops, I love that you come to my workshops because it gives me a support and an energy that I know that you have my back. Even if I fall on my face, literally or figuratively, I know that you're there, that you, you don't care either way, that you love me either way. And like when you ask me to play golf or learn how to play golf, not what I wanted to do, suck at it, but it's fun to spend time with you just driving around in the golf cart, I don't need your advice. So don't tell me. And you know, I don't because, uh, <laughs> note to men, don't tell your wives how to do some sport thinking you're their coach. Cause that's not a good idea, but it makes me feel appreciated that you do things that I love to do that. Even if it's something that you don't want to do, you know, you go get Thai food sometimes, which makes me feel appreciated. Uh, part of appreciation and respect is not talking down to us, not patronizing us, not mansplaining, which I always point out when people do, because it happens all the goddamn time. Sorry, people, but I, it does. And just learning and just saying thank you to your spouse. You know, thank you for you know, raising our children or for making our house clean or for doing your job as a doctor, whatever it is that your spouse does that you can feel grateful for. So the first one is to tell us that we're respected, appreciated, and valued. What feedback do you have on that? Anything? No, I think that's important in any relationship. I think a lot of the things that are on your list may be on my list in different, maybe worded differently, but in any relationship, you want to feel respected. You want to feel appreciated. You hope that you have value in the eyes of that spouse because um, otherwise they wouldn't have married you or cohabitated or whatever the relationship is. Yeah, I think that, you know, those, those almost sound like no-brainers in a way. That being said, I, I do agree with you. I think it's very easy in any relationship, whether it's uh, spousal or uh, as friends or maybe even parents and children or as business associates to take take things for granted. Well, I told you, what, what's the old joke about uh, the husband's walking out the door and the wife says, do you still love me? And he says, I told you last night I loved you. If it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> and we can't yes. take things for granted at all. So obviously I think it goes to your first point. Yeah. Uh, the second one I have is we want our spouses or partners to really listen to us, to really be present when we're talking to them. Cause we can always tell when you zone out, when your mind has left the conversation. And maybe that means not interrupting. If we're talking about something and you jump in with an example or, Hey, that happened to me too. It's like, no, no, shut up talking. I just want you to listen. We don't want you to multitask. You don't do this, but some husbands will look at their phones when you're having, trying to have a conversation or they're watching a game and you're trying to have a conversation. And that's on the women too. I mean, if you want to have a conversation that's serious, don't 
do it during the NBA finals. Maybe wait till the game's over, turn it off so your husband isn't distracted. We also don't want necessarily to be the conversation to be a problem solving discussion. Maybe you just sit there and nod your head and say, wow, that's really hard. Or wow, that I understand. I, I hear you. Even though you know the answer in your head, again, we don't want to hear it. And we want to have deep conversations. We want to have more than just superficial, you know, how was your day? How was work? You know, how was the weather? We want to know, you know, what, what scares you? We want to feel like you're vulnerable with us when you're listening to us when we're having conversations. I, I think it's the biggest, the biggest challenge it's ever been right now because there are so many distractions. You mentioned telephones, social media, um, uh, you know, watching TV, reading a book at the same time. I've never known anybody. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have mentioned that. But, no uh, shaming. No, no shaming. shaming. <laughs> but I think it's very easy to to uh, to fall into the, the rabbit hole of there's so much going on and you just begin to tune things out. And again, this goes beyond just husband-wife spousal relationships. It goes with everything you're talking about. So um, I, I do believe one thing that I like about our relationship is that we seem to segment our days or, or nights when we're together uh, we parcel things out. For instance, there, if we are watching a TV show, we, we turn the TV off at a certain time. We like to read before we go to bed, before we go to sleep. So we'll sit in bed and read. And in the evening, sometimes if, if, if the schedule allows, before we ever get engaged in anything we're else we're doing with books or TV or anything else, we just sit and talk. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think that's a rarity. Now, it's easier for us because we are sort of empty nested. We don't have children that are still living at the home. We have grandchildren that are there frequently. But when we have just the nights of the two of us, we take the time to sit and reflect a little bit. And I totally understand what you're saying about the listening. My story is my story. You don't need to have your story in the middle of my story. Right. I'm terrible at that. I'm always <laughs> wanting to interject, well, you know what happened to me? And that's not where this conversation should be going. <laughs> So I do believe it's a, it's a learned practice, and I think it's something you really need to work at. Right. Uh, the, number th the, number third, the number third thing I had was spontaneous fun and friendship. The women want to feel like their, their spouses, their partners are their friends, that they're not just you know, slugging through you know, raising children and paying off the mortgage and mowing the lawn, that they do things that are fun. We like our, our partners to come up with fun ideas and, and us too, we, I'm not saying you have to own that as a man. Women have, too have to come up with spontaneous ideas for fun. I love when you say, you know, I think we should go to a concert. And we go to a concert. We went to a concert in the rain last night. We did. It wasn't the funnest experience, but it was, it was after now, looking back, it was, it was fun. And the concert was great. The concert was great. The weather the was, was really awful. Oh. Um, but wanting to be with you as a friend and not just as someone that you're legally contracted to spend time with. So spontaneous fun, doing things that are out of the ordinary, trying new things together, whether it's new restaurants or new travel places, getting out of that groove of everyday married life and trying some fun things. So seeing as you've started to overlap on some of my lists, let me because <laughs> one of my five things was spontaneity and with that flexibility. And I, I, I don't believe they're necessarily the same thing. Um, well, let's take yoga as an example. Uh, I'm not flexible, as you well know. But uh, you, you never make me feel bad about that, nor do you, do you with any of your students. If, well, you take a yoga, if you take a yoga class from Perry, she will never, she will always tell you you're not in competition with anybody else in the class. It's very easy in a gym situation to say, I'm not doing as well as this person or that person or whatever. 
Um, you never feel that way when, when you're taking one of the of Perry's yoga classes. Flexibility. So spontaneity is great, but spontaneity may also put you in a situation where you're not flexible, you're not, you're not comfortable. So do you want to take the flexibility of doing that? One thing that you and I did many years ago, which I was not excited about, was we went to the uh, indoor uh, uh, skydiving. Yeah, and you, you planned that. I did plan it because <laughs> you wanted to do it. I no, didn't... no, no. It was a surprise to me. Well, it was a surprise, but you talked about it. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, uh, there's one here in, in Utah up in Ogden. Yeah. We went to it. Uh, you flew like a bird. It was so much fun. It you, was just... you, you had your arms and legs up and you were floating. And, <laughs> and I kept saying, turn off the air, put me back on the floor. I don't want to do this. But you have to have the flexibility to, to, to do things that maybe you're not totally comfortable with. Oh, sure. And that adds to the spontaneity. We went on the uh, zip line at Sundance that had seven different zip line yeah, drops. Yeah, so much fun. It was a ton of fun. It took about three hours to get down yeah. and a lot of money. But we had a lot of fun doing it. But, you know, hanging from a thread above the canyon, not my idea of a great time. And I did it seven times. <laughs> but, you do it, but you do those things because, you know, I like... That kind of stuff. Exactly. You're you're much more adventurous than I am, and that's actually been good for me. And you know, when we went kayaking, when we went um, scuba diving, I know I don't. You're not a big fan of the water, but you do it. And and I hope that I give you that same thing. Where if you want to do something, I don't say, "Well, I'm not good at that. I'm not going to do it." Yeah, you don't. You don't, I mean, golf is an example. I and you're much better at golf than you think you are. But that's not even possible. No, no you, well, <laughs> that, I'm terrible. Okay. She's not. She's not that bad. <laughs> Almost got a hole in one on the fourth time we played. And well, I, there's and that. I wouldn't have spoken to you if you'd gotten one before me, but because I've been playing for like 40 years and not close. But anyway, no, I, I think there's um, there, there's growth in doing things that stretch your yeah your abilities. And yeah, so, and I think spontaneity and fun is just should be part of your everyday. Whether it's, you know, learning a new joke or telling a funny story, you know, bringing that into the conversation. So the fourth, the third one, no, fourth one, I can't count. I don't do numbers. The fourth one I have is one that I think you struggle with a little bit or not, maybe when we were first married, but not so much now is time alone, time apart from each other. And maybe your partner doesn't know how to give that to you, I think. Because you want to be with me all the time, you know, 24-7. You'd be my Siamese twin if they could surgically, surgically attach us. It probably would be something that you'd want for your birthday. Um, I would probably jump off a train. Well, that of course, be, you'd be attached that, that to me. That wouldn't be so. good for me. So, yeah. yeah. So, but it's not because I don't want to be with you, but because that's how I recharge. That's just my personality. Jumping I, off trains? <laughs> spending time alone, doofus. Yes, that's true. You do. Number eight, don't call your husband a doofus. Good point. Um, so we call it, we refer to that as Perry time. Yes, not, yeah. not the doofus thing, but yeah, Perry time. I do my Perry time. Um, and I've told people before that the, one of the best gifts you've given me is when you gave me a, an overnight stay at the homestead. It was actually a two-night stay. The first 24 hours, I was completely alone. And it was, I took like a bag of books and a pound of chocolate and I went different places in Heber and Red. I went like sat by Deer Creek Reservoir in Red. I went to a park, went to the hotel room and on the balcony. And it was just blissful. And then you came up the next night. No, let's, the second night you let me in there. And let's be honest. Let's tell, tell what it <laughs> no, is. The second night you came up to join me. And I was so excited to see you because I had been so recharged after that 24 hours of just me time. And by the time you got there, I was so ready for you to be there to share some things with you and to do some things with you. So I think alone time is is so valuable, especially if, you're, if your spouse, your wife, your partner is raising the children, 
if she stays at home with the kids, she needs a break. She needs you to take the kids to McDonald's to dinner one night a week or to take them to the park. Give her some space where someone's not hanging on her, wiping their snot on her shoulder, crying on her, begging her for things. And maybe that's you as a spouse. Stop doing that if that's you. That's true. Good point. Um, but she needs time to recharge because I can tell you right now, when she's alone all day long with those kids and you come home and you watch TV or you go out, and, I don't know, you work in the garage or you do the lot yard work and she's still with the kids until bedtime, she hates your guts. She hates you with a burning hot passion. So offer to take the kids to dinner, tell her to go um, do something that she loves. And maybe if she's been this in this way for so long, she might not know. So give her space to figure that out. You know, maybe say, go for a bike ride or go for a walk or go to the gym or go eat a meal by yourself. That's a luxury for a mother is to eat a meal by herself. And again, this isn't just if you have children, this is for anybody. And I think you need time away from me too, whether or not you believe it. I think you enjoy time away in your own thoughts, doing your own thing. And when we come back together, we're so much more connected. You were gone for a couple nights earlier uh, this summer. You took your daughters and kind of had a, a girls two nights out, uh, left and rented a, a Airbnb for a couple nights. Yeah. And I was, uh, besides our dog, Jedi, we were both so excited when you were home. And it, it felt very different. <laughs> and I was excited not, to be home. Yeah. It, it felt very different with you, with you not in the home. Yeah. And uh, I left all the magazines and the jewelry catalogs laying around. So I'm not going to clean them up. I'll wait till she gets home. Forget it, you know. But uh, no, it was it was really nice to have that time apart because it embellished the time together. You know, and one thing to do too that um, women, especially with children, or only with children—that's all this pertains to—is if you're with the kids at night and you've let your wife go maybe to the gym or to a dinner or a movie, make sure the kids are in bed when she gets home. That's just a helpful tip to keep you from being poisoned because if she comes home and the kids, it's 11 o'clock at night and the kids are still running around the house and screaming and she will lose her mind. She will go bananas. You just ruined the entire time. So if you're watching the kids at night, put them in bed before she gets home. 11. Oh, can't even imagine. 11 p.m. How you angry. didn't get home till 11 p.m. <laughs> well, maybe it was a fun movie and maybe I went, there's no time limit on time alone. Judging, 11 p.m. Judging. Okay, now it's midnight. It's 11 when p.m. When you come at midnight and your kids are still awake. It's 11 p.m. Do you know where your spouse is? <laughs> Don't use trackers on your phone to track your spouse. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that, that's a bad thing. Um, and also one thing that I don't think spouses, partners think about is if your wife has to go to the grocery store, don't make her take all the kids. That's like the worst experience. You can watch the kids for 30 minutes while she goes to Walmart to buy a gallon of milk. It shouldn't take 30 minutes to go to no, Walmart. If she's at Walmart, she's going to walk up and down every aisle. If she's alone, it's going to take at least 30 minutes and you're not going to be a jerk about it. You know, just take the kids once in a while, get it, get them out of the house, get them away from your spouse. Cause she wants some time alone. We should explain that Perry and I didn't have small children together. So this is not a personal story. <laughs> this is not this is a story about people. We but know. I did have children. Oh, yes. I still do have children. Okay. And the fifth one that I thought was really interesting is that women want intimate and conscious physicality. They really want to feel like if they're making love, it's very sensual. It's not just a, you know, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. We got five minutes. Let's get this done. They want to spend time. They want a lot of affection. They want to cuddle. They want to snuggle. They want to be held. They want to feel like it's something 
that their their partner desires. You know, they're, they're being desired. They're not just being used. It's it's a mutual agreement that this is what we want right now. We want to be together in this very physical way. And maybe that means starting slow, and that might mean starting with a conversation. It might mean taking the kids out for a while so your wife can relax. So when you do get together at bedtime, she's not frazzled and frustrated. You know, she can have that time to, to calm down. Um, tell us that we're beautiful. Make eye contact. You know, think of all the cheesy Hallmark movies that you've ever watched, which you do. I don't. If they're filmed here in Bountiful Life, watch them. <laughs> but think about those cheesy mov- movies and how, you know, the how the woman gets seduced by that, by that, you know, the veteran doctor from New York that came to this small town, whatever it is. I know the movie you're talking about. That's the, it's very all, insulting. It's all but... the same movie. So be very, very, very slow. Be very, be very conscious that women get turned on much differently than men do. And speaking of that, I think this is universal. Don't go for the boobs first. Don't do it especially if you have a mother who's breastfeeding, those things aren't sexual objects right now. They are tools and they get used all day long. So work your way up to the fun parts. Don't start with the fun parts. (laughs) I think that's it. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Thanks thanks for tuning in. (laughs) So what do you think about that one? I'll start with your ears. I don't know. What am I supposed to say? So, no, I, think, I think those are valid concerns. Um, I think they're valid comments. And I do believe, I, I, heard, I heard Johnny Carson joke one time, great Johnny Carson, who was on every night for 20 some odd years. He says, and, and he said this, so he says, I've probably been more involved in lovemaking sessions than anyone in history because so many people are making love while their TV's on during the Tonight Show. Yeah, drop the TV. And you talk about distractions. That's yeah. that's terrible. That would be a terrible yeah, one. Yeah, drop so. the TV. Make sure your phones are off. Yeah, make sure your phones so are those off. So those are my five. Okay. So let's let's jump over to you. Okay. And I, and I scheduled time for rebuttal. All right. It's for me, oh. not for you. Oh, fine, fine. How are we doing on time anyway? We're so, doing good. Okay, good. good. So I wrote this one down. Um, I actually had mentioned this to you a couple of days ago when we were talking about this and you loved it. One thing that I, I, I think... I won't say men, but spouses need to have from their, their partners is permission to fail. So say more about that. Well, we tend to be, most people tend to be more critical of themselves than anyone else outside of themselves. And particularly as a man, and I hate to say this, but stereotypical grew up as we all know, I was, I was, I'm the gender that generally was supposed to be the breadwinners. And, um, Particularly, I think, in really in, in this culture in Utah, there's a lot of men who have, who have gone out on limbs. They've tried to be entrepreneurs. They've tried to start businesses. They've tried to do things that did not work, um, and, and they have failed, or they have, they've failed to fulfill whatever they were planning on doing. I think we need to feel like our spouse is going to have our backs, even if we try something and it doesn't work. Mm. Um, I, you know, you mentioned the scuba diving thing. I've never gone scuba diving with you, but I know that well, you when sat on the beach while I did it. I did. Well, yeah, that's not <laughs> exactly what I was going at. So we're at this a beautiful beach on the island of Oahu, uh, when we used to travel and, um, Perry wanted to go snorkeling. And I knew this was a, a beach that's very popular for snorkeling. I do not swim. I'm not proud of that, but I'm not a swimmer. I've never learned to swim, probably never will have tried to overcome a fear of water. 
have not been able to do it, although I've kayaked mm-hmm. and I've gone parasailing. Yeah. And we've been on several boats, but uh, the the getting in the water with you know out the water wings and the life jacket, uh, you know, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> so, but you never made me feel bad about that because I knew I had a lot more fun sitting on the beach watching you snorkel. You 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 came back, told amazing stories about the fish you saw and everything else. You never made me feel bad. I could have been a, marked as a failure because I wasn't willing to try that, mm-hmm. uh, and that was something that you were just going to have to mark me as a failure because I wasn't going to try that. <laughs> so. Um, so permission to fail, permission to feel that if we fall short of our expectations and our goals and our dreams, personal and professional, that's not going to be held against us. I love that. That someone's going to have our backs. And it's interesting because like, there are so many memes out there about women, you know, don't be afraid to fail, don't be afraid to fall. I don't know if men get that same message. That's an interesting concept that maybe we need to, need to make more of those things directed to men that, yeah, it's okay to, to try and to fall. You made that comment when we were talking about the, the, the memes, like you say, that are on the internet all the time that are, um, uh, you know, self-promotional or try to be encouraging or whatever, mainly geared towards, towards women. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that towards men. Interesting. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure my, my golf buddy, if he sent me a meme that says, hey, I know you suck today, <laughs> but I still love you. And, you know, it's not your fault that everything kept going to the right when you hit it off the, you know, I, I don't know. That's that a I'm, meme I want to see. Yeah, I don't want to hear that meme. Probably wouldn't make me feel any better about my golf game. But particularly, I think, again, growing up the way I grew up with regards to the men supposed to be the ones who have the most business success. I don't believe that's the case now, but that's the way my generation was raised. And when that doesn't happen, it's easy to beat ourselves up. Hmm. And when I have tried things, not so much, I don't think I've crashed much professionally in our relationship, but if I've tried things that didn't work, you've never made me feel bad about it. So permission to fail, that yeah. would be a good thing. That's good. Um, feeling desired. You know, you mentioned this earlier. It, it, over, it overlaps a little bit with the intimacy thing, but feeling desired, and a lot of times that's a verbal thing, you know, complimenting someone. Uh, I, I've, I've, I tell you often, you come in and you think, I haven't done anything with my hair or I'm not wearing, and you just look great. You look great to me. And I don't say that super, you look great right now, smiling across the, the, the studio here at me right now, <laughs> wanting to strangle me probably. But anyway, not, um, yet. not yet. Okay. Roger's laughing. So I guess it's all good. <laughs> uh, I think you have to feel desired and, and it's not just the physical desire, which is obviously important. I love the fact that, and, and I'm, this is pillow talk, but I'm going to pillow talk it anyway. I love the fact I love to look over in the morning and know that you're waking up next to me. I love at night when we hold each other before we, we go, to, go to sleep, turn the lights out and go to sleep. Uh, you have to have that desire as a spouse to always be attracted to the person that you see at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. And hopefully that just continues to grow. It does for me. I don't think everybody's as lucky as I am because they're not married to you. If they were, then we'd all feel this way. I'm glad, glad they're not all married to you. Yeah, well, me too. That's, the only, that's a lot of work. The only one. Uh, that worked a different way in this state, but it was anyway. <laughs> so, but just to have the uh, th- that uh, feeling desired and, and feeling like no matter um, what I might look like if I come in from the garden with my hair all knotted down from wearing a sweaty hat when I'm out pulling weeds or whatever, that you, you don't say anything like, boy, just go get cleaned up and then come back and talk to me. You never make me feel that way. So are the things that, that women can say to men to make them feel more desired? Like, is it a, a vocal thing? Is it just an affection thing? I think, I think it's a combination of both. Um, if you, if, if, we're, if we're walking down the hall or we're passing each other and suddenly you decide you want to kiss me, 
That is like huge. <laughs> if I walk down the hall and I suddenly decide to want to kiss you, I usually get pushed off. But uh, no, not, not true. Not true. I think the things that are unexpected as much as the things that are expected, mm. but certainly the compliments are important. And, and I think that adds to the desirability. You, you know as well as I do that there are times when we have distractions that have nothing to do with our relationship, but it's borne out in the fact that we feel like there's, not a, there's a lack of connection there. Going back to your point about distractions and these other things, it's very easy for those of us who have outpunted our coverage majorly because our wives are so much hotter than we are Brother. to feel um, a little bit insecure and, and wanting to know, you know, if there's something wrong. I, I've told you this story the other day, and I'll tell it again about the couple that's gone together for six months. And finally, the girl says, you know, it's really time to, you know, let's get on with it. We're either going to fish or cut bait. What are we going to do here? And so she says to her boyfriend, you know, John, today is a six month anniversary of the day we began dating. And he gets this really pained look on her face, on his face. And she goes, oh, no, I've scared him off. He thinks I want him to propose. I'm scaring away. He's, he's really turned off. What have I done wrong? And what he's thinking is, wow, that's right. Six months ago we met. That was the day I was, that was the last time I had my car lubed. I wonder if I've had it back in there. So <laughs> what you're thinking and what, and what I might be thinking are not the same things. But I think a lot of the way I react is based on what I think is on your mind. Sure. So I don't know if that made sense or not. Yeah, it did. Um, feeling trusted. Hmm. That's and, and believable. So I think that's a huge problem in all relationships, particularly in this day and age. When someone says something to you, when your spouse says something to you, you, you need to get to the point where you know that they're being honest with you, right? that you can trust them, that you can believe in what they're saying. And I, I think we need to elaborate on that much. Just again, somebody, you may feel like, oh, I really don't want to do this tonight. I don't look good or whatever else. And I might say, you look great. And that's not because I'm in a hurry to get to the golf, you know, course. No, it's not <laughs> sure what it would be an example of that. <laughs> um, you just have to get to the point where you feel like you are trusted and believable. That's a really important part of it. I mean, I can't think of anything that is harder to restore in a relationship if it's lost than trust. Right. That's the hardest thing there is to restore. So you want to get to the point where you feel trustful, trustworthy, whatever the word is on there. Uh, you already mentioned the one about spontaneity. The other one I had was, um, I think it's important that you become aligned. doesn't necessarily mean that you have to become identical. And what I mean aligned is that I think there are areas that you can totally agree with each other on. It might be politics. It might be music. It might be food. It wouldn't be vegetables in our case, nope. but it could be these other things in food that we both like. Um, if you're not feeling the same way, then live with the fact that that's the case, or maybe don't discuss it. You and I are politically aligned. We've talked about this many times. I know a lot of couples that are not. Uh, they have much different views about, about the state of the world. They're either very conservative or very liberal. And I have often wondered how they ever have discussions about those kinds of things without arguing. And the answer is they don't have those discussions. They choose Just not to do that. that. Yeah. yeah. So I think you have to have an alignment. I think you have to have similarities in tastes, similarities in desire, similarities in, in things that you favor and don't favor. But you, I don't think it's realistic to say that you're identical. I heard one, somebody many years ago phrased that, you know, a man would really like his, he'd like his wife to be a woman, but think like a man. I wouldn't want that. That's an <laughs> awful thought. You know, I wouldn't want a wife who says, hey, it's time to go bet, bet on the jazz or, hey, let's, you know, let's go play some golf or, you know, whatever. 
I, I not all the time. I mean, th- you you love the differences and you want to embellish those those differences as best you can. I'm rambling now, but nevertheless, my point is, I think you should have you should have some alignment in some areas. I like that. That's beautiful. And um, and I think everybody should know their partner's love language. If you haven't taken the love language test. You can go to fivelovelanguages.com. It's the number five lovelanguages.com. And we took it a long time ago. Do you remember what mine is? Ah, I put you on the spot. French? <laughs> okay, I'll give you a clue. The five love languages are okay. um, quality time, acts of service, receiving gifts, words of affirmation, and physical touch. Yeah. Those were the five. Do you remember what mine was? Those five. <laughs> Yours was physical touch. Really? Wow. Does that surprise you? Well, I, I, I have to rethink about it. How long did we take this? Oh, I don't know. Maybe five years ago. Oh. Does it change? I don't know. I'd like to take it again, but I love the fact that everybody should take it. Yeah, they should. They, and what was the answer, Perry? What's yours? Mine is quality time. Oh, okay. I like spending quality time with you. And it's funny because if, you're, if your love language is quality time, but your spouse's love language is physical touch, you need to be aware of that and make sure that he's getting his, his fix because that's how he feels loved, whether it's doing services for him or giving him gifts. Some men like to be told how wonderful they are, and, and every man does, but maybe that's their love language, that that's how they feel loved. So if you haven't ever taken that with your spouse or your partner, you know, look it up. Five, the number five, lovelanguages.com. It's a quick, easy, free test, and you might learn something about your partner. Wow. So just to recap, the five things that the women want from their spouses, respect, appreciation, number two, deep listening, three, spontaneity, fun, and friendship, four, time alone, four, time alone, again, time alone, and five, intimate and conscious physicality. What was number four? Uh, Time alone. What was the listening part? (laughs) And what were the five... That you had. Well, spontaneity, we already talked about that was one of them. Um, I had alignment, some similarities that things you can agree on. And Mm -hmm. if you don't agree on things, then maybe avoid them if best you can. Um, Feeling trusted and believable. Feeling desired, which means being complimented. And of course, permission to fail. Love it. Which I probably have done with this podcast. You have not. You did a great job. Thank you so much for being my 50th podcast guest. And again, congratulations, because any anytime anybody does something consistently for a year, which you have done podcasts every week for a year, that's pretty impressive. I mean, people don't go to the gym every day of, you know, every week. Well, you do, but a lot of people just <laughs> fail to do that. It's like when we wrote our books, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> it took time to be able to do that because we both know as writers, how many people have said they're going to write a book, but they never do it. So when you stick to it the way you've done with your podcast, that's that's a, a an achievement to be praised. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. And, and thanks again to Roger for sticking it out with me for 50 episodes. He's been amazing. And I appreciate all of his help. And I appreciate all the listeners that, that tune in and, and to share this podcast. Um, if you listen on, on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. It bumps my podcast up into the ratings higher. If you want to become one of my monthly supporters, that elite group, please do go to my anchor page and you can donate for $4.99 a month to support the podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week. Do you want more life and laughter? Check out my blog at lnlcoaching.com and find me on Instagram and Facebook at Life and Laughter Coaching. See you again soon.